Good morning and Merry Christmas. I'm trusting that you had a great time celebrating the coming of Jesus. Anyway, the first coming of Jesus. And we are all here expectantly waiting for his second coming. Well, Merry Christmas. My name is Steve Buss and I'm the director of One Hope, an organization here in our community that helps local churches join together to show the love of Christ to our community. I have the privilege this morning of sharing with you really a life's message. Uh, And this message just comes from something God gave to me and has just put in my heart since the day I started following him. I want to talk with you a little bit today about our relationship with God in the place of prayer. I want to look at it from the perspective of the Apostle John in the upper room. You see, from chapter 13 through chapter 17 of the book of John, we find Jesus and the disciples in the upper room. About a third of the way through chapter 13, Judas exits the room. So from about the middle of chapter 13 all the way through chapter 17, we have Jesus and the eleven. Now, the context is really, really important here because the context is Jesus and his closest friends, his disciples, those who follow, imitate, and stick to Jesus. That's the definition of a disciple, one who follows, who imitates, and who sticks close by next to Jesus' side. So this message, everything that Jesus says in that context are to those who are faithfully following him. Now, in this upper room discourse, Jesus covers a lot of territory. He's going to be talking about how we're to love one another the way that he loves us. He's going to talk about preparing a place for us, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to the Father. He's going to talk about the Holy Spirit. He's going to talk about the vine and the branches. And he's going to end in chapter 17 praying a prayer for the disciples who are in the room. He's going to pray for himself and he's going to pray for all believers. So he covers a lot of territory in that upper room. And right after that upper room discourse, right after that prayer in John 17, the disciples leave to go to Gethsemane. So that's the context. Jesus is talking to his closest friends. Now, throughout this conversation that Jesus has in the upper room, he brings up the topic of prayer a handful of times. And so today I want to offer to you, um, for you to receive, for you even to grapple with, the words of Jesus. Jesus teaching on prayer to his closest friends. So I'm going to be reading today from John chapter 14 and verse 13, John 15 and verse 7, John 16 verses 23 through 24 and verse 26. Now because of time, I'm just taking these words of Christ on prayer in this one upper room uh, discourse context so that we can see what Jesus has to say about prayer to those who follow him. 
So I'm going to read these different sections of scripture as one, and you'll, you'll hear why. But before I read, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your living, active word. Lord, truly your word is alive. It speaks to our hearts. It nourishes our soul. And so today, by your Holy Spirit, may your word come alive and strengthen us again. Let's read the words of Jesus, beginning John chapter 14 and verse 13. Jesus says this, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. It's a pretty good promise. Let's go to John 15 and verse 7. Jesus says this, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And lastly, let's look at John 16, verses 23 through 24 and verse 26. Again, Jesus to disciples. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Verse 26. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. So here, in these few words, Jesus in his teaching on prayer in the upper room, brings out several concepts consistently every time he talks about prayer. Now, before we dive in a little bit deeper into these verses, I want to ask you a very important question. And I'm asking you this question both to affirm you and to challenge you. And after I ask this question, I'm going to pause. And I'm just going to let you think about the answer. And this is my question. How do you know that God hears you? Now, I'm so grateful that through the scripture and by his Holy Spirit, we do hear from God. We do hear from God. But in our relationship with God, if we have a true relationship not only are we hearing from God, but we know that actually God is hearing us. So that's my question. How do we, how do we know that God hears us? And I want to submit to you that we know God hears us for sure when he answers our prayers. What a gift. So this topic we're looking at today is a huge gift for every person who chooses to follow the Lord Jesus. When I was 20 years old, I started following Christ. You see, in that time frame, my hair was pretty long and I had long feather earrings. I actually was a drummer in a heavy metal band and I gave my life to Christ. And that first year of figuring out what this 
following Jesus thing was about, you know, uh, there was some backsliding and tension and struggles, and, and there still has been tension and struggles, but in that first year especially. But as I started to learn what it meant to follow Jesus, to be in his word, to, to relate well with his people, to apply those words that I was learning into my thinking and into my life, I started praying with some other people. And I want to share, I want to share with you some of the true experiences, biblical experiences I had as I started praying with another. You see, coming from this uh, heavy metal background and uh, coming into a church, um, you know, I met a lot of people who weren't like me so to speak. And um, as I started really applying myself to the scripture, and I started getting this heart for prayer. This t- I really wanted to like pursue God and ask him to do things. And I met this other gentleman, and he was in the college and career group, and his name was James. And James was completely different than I was. He had short, dark, black hair, and he had, he had uh, thick glasses, and he figured out pension plans for a living. He was an actuary, and, and he was a great pianist. He played classical music, and he wrote classical music, and, and that was my friend James, and here I was still with long hair and starting to follow Jesus, and, but James wanted to pray, and I wanted to pray, and so we got together, and we said, well, let's meet on Monday nights, and so for a few years, I would go over to James's home on Monday night. And what I'm about to describe to you, in the natural, it just seems super boring, okay? But I would go over to his apartment, and we'd uh, brew up some herbal tea, and we would sit at his kitchen table, and we'd pull out a sheet of paper, and we would write down prayer requests. Okay, we've heard this person needs a job at church. Okay, this person is suffering through cancer. Okay, we heard that this couple gave us a prayer request, kind of personal, but they've been trying to have children for a few years, and let's pray for them. And so James and I would have our herbal, herbal tea and our, our prayer list, and we would just meet and we would pray. We would look at the list, we would pray, we would ask in Jesus' name, And it was absolutely fascinating to me. Because in that season of time, it really was a miraculous season of God's favor, that simple two-person prayer meeting. Because we literally saw God answer a large percentage of those prayers. We prayed for someone who was suffering with cancer, and they recovered. We did pray for a couple who had been trying to have children for years. And we found out a few weeks later that they conceived and they ended up having children. We prayed for people to get jobs and they got good jobs. It was really an amazing, an amazing period of time for me. I was was 20 years old. And here we are asking God to do what only God can do. And he was answering us. He was hearing us. And he was showing us that he was hearing us by answering our requests. Literally, as we came before him, his mercy and his goodness, it's the way he set it up. He was answering our prayers. And we knew that God was relating to us 
as he answered our requests. What a good God we have. So ever since that time, I've just been a nut for prayer. I just love pursuing God in prayer because that interaction with him actually while we pray and then his response to us as he answers prayer is just absolutely wonderful. Now, before we look at the scripture and dive a little bit deeper, I do want to say a few things. Obviously, in this one teaching, we're not going to be able to cover the whole gamut of prayer. But we are going to look at what Jesus has to say about prayer. Now, of course, Jesus taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and so on. Jesus teaches us to ask the Father and believe that we've received what we ask for. It's another one of Jesus' teachings on prayer. Another important teaching that Jesus gives to us on prayer is that when we pray, we are to forgive anyone who has hurt us or sinned against us. So those are some of the teachings that Jesus brings to us on prayer, but as we've already started, we're looking at this teaching in the upper room to disciples. And I love how he teaches us how to pray. This was a brand new concept in the upper room. We're very accustomed to it now, but it was a brand new concept for Jesus to tell his disciples to pray in my name. What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Now, from the scripture this morning, John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus says, ask in my name. Chapter 14, ask me for anything in my name. John 15 and verse 7, which we'll go over in a minute, the whole thing has to do about praying in his name. Chapter 16, verse 23, you may ask in my name. Again, you have not yet asked for anything in my name. And then he says, you will ask in my name. Jesus is inviting disciples to approach the Father and to make a request in his name. So I have two thoughts about what it means to pray in Jesus' name. The first one, I think, is the best definition, and it comes right out of Chapter 15 and verse 7. Jesus says this, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. To me, praying in Jesus' name means, first of all, that we are remaining in Christ and allowing his words to remain in us. We're abiding. We are deliberately in our will and with our thoughts and with our life, Jesus, I want to be in you. That means I'm current with the Lord. That means I take time to bring my heart before God and allow him to search my heart, to cleanse me. That, makes, that, that, that gives me a place when I can come before the Lord and I can ask him for forgiveness. I can come before the Lord and I can repent where I have blown it. I'm staying current in my relationship with the Lord. I'm remaining in him. And then I'm allowing his word to remain in me. I'm taking that time to meditate on the words of life. I'm reading the scripture. I'm taking the Bible and I'm reading it. I'm believing it. I'm hiding it in my heart. But beyond just reading it, I'm applying it. 
I want to think God's thoughts with him. Whether I'm going to the grocery store or I'm at work or I'm mowing my lawn, I want to be thinking. I'm allowing the word of Jesus, the word of God to remain in me. And beyond thinking about it, I'm going to act on it. If that word is in me, I, I, I'll never forget, um, you know, after my conversion at age 20, um, I ended up going back to college and I was taking a college course and um, uh, part of this college course, I had a, it was a speed reading course and you had to um, keep a journal of when you actually practiced your speed reading and it was going to count for part of your grade. Well, I didn't quite stay up on that uh, schedule like I ought to have. And, you know, before I knew Jesus, it just would have been really easy for me to fill in the blank with untrue uh, entries of time that I had spent reading. And I just decided, you know what, I'm not going to do that. And I missed a lot of practice speed reading. And I just honestly filled that out because I wanted to apply. I wanted not to lie. I wanted to tell the truth. And so this was a new experience for me, being a, a newer believer. I'm going to tell the truth. Well, the primary grade in that speed re reading class was a final exam where you basically had an hour. You sat down and you read a 300-page book, and then you had to take a test on it. And so I just I turned my basically incomplete journal of practicing speed reading in, and then I took the final, and I did great, and I ended up getting a B+. Anyway, the point is this. We want to allow the word of God to remain in us. I wanted to tell the truth. I wanted God's word to be in me. And I wanted to remain in Jesus. Back to the context in the upper room. Remaining in Jesus is just like those guys in the upper room. There are 11 faithful followers. And that's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. You're in Christ and the words of Christ are in you. So now you can literally pray in Jesus' name. The other way that I like to look at, and I think the Bible speaks about us praying in Jesus' name, is this, that we are representing the name of Jesus to the Father. Now stay with me on this one. Now, whenever we pray, we are basing, actually, our coming before the Lord, when we are basing our prayers on the finished work of Jesus. So when we pray in his name, we are remembering before the Father. We are presenting again before God. Father, I'm coming to you and I'm making this request based on what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Jesus forgave me of my sin. He forgave all of mankind their sin. Jesus on the cross disarmed my enemy. He disarmed Satan at the cross. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he had an ultimate twofold work of intercession. He stood in the gap between God and mankind, and he bridged that gap by dying in our place bringing us the forgiveness of sins and reconciling us, reuniting us back with God. Jesus on the cross not only reunited us with God, but Jesus stood in the gap between us and our enemy, and he disarmed our enemy. So Jesus did this ultimate twofold work of intercession 
on the cross. That's what Jesus accomplished. And that's what our relationship with Christ is based on. That's what eternal life is based on. And friends, that's what every single prayer we pray in Jesus' name is based on. Our request is not based on the grandeur of our faith or the greatness of the need. Our requests are always based on what Jesus has accomplished. So Father, will you do this one thing in the name of your Son? Based on what Jesus has accomplished, oh Father, will you answer my prayer? So that shifts the focus of our faith where it should be. It's, if you will, gospel-centric praying. We're focused on Jesus and what he has done. And our prayers are based on that. So I invite you, when you pray in Jesus' name, that you would bring before the Father that precious name, the name above every name, and what he accomplished before the Father, and say, Father, will you answer my prayer based on what Jesus did for all of mankind? So when we pray in Jesus' name, we're praying as we remain in him and his words remain in us. When we pray in Jesus' name, we are focusing on what Jesus has accomplished and we're representing what Jesus has done before the Father and asking God to move based on that. So it was a new concept. Pray in my name. This is an invitation and this is Jesus teaching on prayer. So whatever you believe about prayer, let's believe what Jesus says about prayer, because he's inviting disciples to pray in his name. I want to make a few other observations about what Jesus is teaching us from these verses in John 14, 15, and 16. One of the things that comes up in these verses is that we have the invitation from Christ himself to pray for whatever and anything. He says in chapter 14, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Again, in chapter 15 and verse 7, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. And there in chapter 16, in verse 23, the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So sometimes I get jealous for whatever. And what do I mean by that? I get jealous, and I think God gets jealous, to see what, what is in your heart as a follower of Christ. Now remember this context. We're talking about those who are faithfully following Christ. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he's going to do it. What a wonderful invitation. We can ask for anything, and we can ask for whatever as we follow Jesus, as we remain in him and his words remain in us. What an invitation from the Savior. Now, again, that context is so important. We're not looking to God to be the Santa Claus in the sky. We're not, we're not playing that game. There's no one more beautiful more strong, more wise, more loving than our Heavenly Father. And we are following Him and we are wanting what He wants. So we can ask for whatever and we can ask for anything. 
Next, God promises to answer. God promises to answer. Chapter 14, Jesus says, I will do it. Chapter 15, he says, it will be given you whatever you wish. Chapter 16 and verse 23, the Father will give you whatever you ask. Chapter 16 and verse 24, you will receive what you ask for. God, the Son, is teaching us in the upper room that God is going to answer our prayer. And I want to be very clear that it is God's will to answer your prayer. It is God's will to answer our prayer. And again, it's context, it's followers, it's praying in Jesus' name. According to the words of the Son of God, our Father and the Son are going to answer our prayers when we pray in his name. And we're going to know that God is hearing us. Last observation I want to make from Jesus teaching on prayer in the upper room is this. In verse 14, Jesus says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. And then in chapter 15, Jesus says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You see, whenever there's an answered prayer, my friends, the Father's glorified. Whatever you ask, it's going to be given to you. Hallelujah. God's hearing from us. But every time there's an answer to prayer, the Father is glorified. What a wonderful thing. Our answer prayers bring glory to God. Now, not only that, there's also this very wonderful promise that, again, I've experienced time and time and again, and it's an invitation and a challenge to us every day. And it's this. Jesus says this in chapter 16 and verse 24. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. In Isaiah chapter 56, we find that there's joy in the house of prayer. When I was 20 years old, in James' apartment, and we were praying, and we were experiencing those answers to prayer, and me, me for the first time, like real tangible answers to prayer, there was a joy that I received and that James received in seeing that answer prayer come to pass. We knew, we knew that God was hearing us and we knew that God was answering us and the joy that we get, the privilege of the joy of the Lord that we receive as followers of Christ, as God answers our prayer, what a good God we serve. We get the joy and God gets the glory. What an amazing kingdom we live in. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is an aspect of the kingdom of heaven that we get to enjoy. And we are so blessed that our humble little lives bring glory to God in the answers to prayer. And we get joy. What a wonderful exchange. What a wonderful thing that we get to experience in the kingdom of heaven. So as we conclude, at least in this part, I'm so grateful to the Lord, and I want to extend this invitation to every person who's hearing me that God 
has given us this gift. You see, the primary purpose of prayer is relationship. It's relationship with God and it's relationship with others. Whenever we pray, we are relating with God. And whenever we pray, we're always standing in the gap and we're relating with other people. So the primary purpose of prayer is relationship. But oh, the gift we have to pray in Jesus' name. He hears from heaven. He answers. And so we know we hear from him and we know that he is hearing from us. Now, I want to transition the message and I want to share with you some very, very exciting true stories about answers to prayer. But answers to prayer in a completely different context. And this is what I want to refer to. I want to share with you um, a story of the last five and a half years of something called One Church, One Day. One Church, One Day is a strategic prayer effort that 40 plus churches here in our community have engaged in over the last five and a half years. Now let me explain a little bit about what One Church, One Day is. Now, what One Church, One Day is, is quite simply this. One church adopts one day every single month, the same day every month, for example, the second Tuesday, and they pray for 24 hours. It's just that simple. And then as that church has its one day a month to pray, people sign up for either half hour or hour segments of time in that day, and you take that 24-hour period and you fill it with prayer. Now, the next element to One Church One Day is this, that every single one of those churches that are praying, those 40-plus churches in our community that are praying, they receive what's called a community prayer guide. Now, a community prayer guide, I'm going to bring it out here. Community prayer guide, this is an example of it, and I think we're going to get a slide on that is broken up into 10 different sectors of our community. I'm going to mention them to you. Church, education, government, business, arts, family, healthcare, the police and fire departments, the media, and sports. So there's 10 sectors of our community, all right? So this prayer guide goes to all the churches who are engaging in one church one day. So when you, for example, sign up for a half hour time, one day a month, setting aside an extra half hour a month to pray in Jesus' name, you receive this prayer guide and then you begin to pray. Now, something that's really wonderful and valuable with this prayer guide is for each of these sectors, whether it be education or government or business, we meet with what we call a strategic team. And those teams are made up of Christian people in our community who are leaders in that sector. We meet with that group of people once a month to pray and then to discern how to pray for that sector. So for example, under business, there's a handful of business leaders that I meet with once a month. We talk about how to pray for business and that group of business leaders discern the ways to pray for business in the Central Lane County area. And those prayer requests 
go on the prayer guide. The same thing happens for every sector. In government, we have government leaders that come together and create the prayer requests for education and so forth. So that when you receive this prayer guide, you are receiving relevant ways to pray for these sectors. Now, this is really good news. And by the mercy of God, to the glory of God, and for our joy, I get to report to you that we have over 40 pages of answers to prayer from the last five and a half years. These answers to prayer often show up in the newspaper because we're praying into our community. Now, I'm going to share with you some of these answers to prayer here uh, in just a minute. But glory be to God that he is moving in government in our community. He is moving in education. And there have been so many answers to prayer. Now, I know at this particular point in time that Pastor Steve and the leadership of Grace Community Fellowship are renewing One Church One Day. And so maybe some of you are hearing about this effort for the very first time. But Grace has been a part of One Church One Day from the very beginning and are in the process right now of renewing it. And so the way that you get involved is you simply go to the Grace Community Fellowship website. You can sign up for an hour or half hour and you can get the prayer guide, which is updated every month. I forgot to mention this. Not only is the prayer guide updated every month, but every other month we send out the answers to prayer. We document the answers to prayer and we send out those answers to prayer. That's how we've been able to compile over 40 pages of answers to prayer. So let me share with you a few of these answers to prayer. In the first year of One Church One Day, under the government sector, Again, we had government leaders that we were meeting with once a month. And from that time of meeting with them, they discerned that we should be praying for an effort called Operation 365. Operation 365 was an effort with the county and the city and other organizations to house 365 homeless veterans in a year. And so we put Operation 365 on the prayer guide under the government section. And churches prayed. And churches prayed 24-7. After praying through it for a couple months, we would check in. What are the numbers looking like? And we even put those numbers on the prayer guide, okay? They're making some progress. Let's keep praying that God would intervene in Operation 365 and that God would move through those good governmental efforts to house these people. At the end of the year, 404 homeless veterans were housed by Operation 365. The government leaders were so encouraged, and they knew it was the miraculous hand of God in answer to the prayers of his people, to the glory of God, and for the joy of his people that he moved so miraculously in Operation 365. I'm going to tell you um, two other, there, there are so many prayer requests that I can mention, answers to prayer from prayer requests, but I want to talk to you about um, two that involved um, someone who's been a, a longtime uh, member of Grace, uh, Joe Zaludek, uh, who was a friend, and uh, Joe served for a good season on the police and fire strategic team. 
And so we're always praying for our police departments and our fire departments 24-7. That's a great way to pray. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't have traction on anything to pray about, praying for our first responders is, is hopefully you've got traction in your heart to believe God and to ask God to protect and to bless our first responders. Anyway, we had been praying for months for our first responders. And during the time of um, the Civic Fire, remember when the Civic, uh, Civic Stadium Fire happened? I'll never forget it because I was just a few blocks away swimming at Amazon Pool. And I got up out of the pool and I couldn't believe my eyes. A few blocks away, Civic Stadium was just on fire. Well, after the fire and talking to Joe... He just said, Steve, I, I've got to tell you of a miracle that happened in that fire. He said, in my almost 30 years of serving, I have never been a part of a fire that was fought so perfectly. Everyone was in the right place at the right time. They made the right decisions. With a fire that large, there was no injuries. We even have a minor injury report that we fill out, and there were no minor injuries. He said, Steve, that is unnatural. That was a miraculous answer to prayer. Our Lane County Sheriff currently has re reported over the years, he serves on the strategic team for police and fire as well. Over the years, multiple times, when there have been gunfights that deputies have uh, gotten involved in, there has been the miraculous hand of God protecting those deputies according to the deputies themselves. You're not gonna hear this on the local news at night but you're gonna hear it from the Lane County Sheriff. Another thing that happened um, in connection with, uh, I'm gonna call him Chief Joe, was a few years ago, um, I awoke to have a voicemail from Joe on my phone. And that voicemail went something like this, Steve, I'm calling you to let you know that last night um, our guys went to go fight a house fire. And as they started their work, uh, a gunman from about 20 yards away opened fire on them. And then his voice turned. He said, I'm calling you to give glory to God because not one of our guys were injured by gunfire. Later on, uh, Joe would go on to report from all the, uh, from the ballistics report and all the study that they did at the crime scene that there were over 400 projectiles. It was all buckshot. And this gentleman had started his own house on fire, and the two houses next to it started on fire. He went 20 yards away with a shotgun and started opening fire on the firefighters. And they were in a gunfight for a season of time, and he shared that many of them had nicks in their helmet. Of course, the fire truck was riddled with buckshot. One of them apparently even had a hole in his pants. But there were no puncture wounds, and no one was injured in that gunfight. Glory to God, the supernatural, sovereign hand of God moving powerfully because the church is praying 24-7 for the protection and safety of our first responders. I want to tell you of another answer to prayer. In the family strategic team, family is one of the categories, the sectors that we're praying into. And in that family team at that time, there was a Actually, a worker from 4J who helped oversee families. There was a DHS worker. Um, there was a handful of other people. And we only changed one prayer request this specific meeting. I'm talking about the strategic team meeting where we're creating the request. And we had a very spirited conversation over this one request. And this one request came out something like this. Pray for Christ followers to care for at-risk children 
and to support the families who care for those children. That was the one request. The very next day, the prayer guide, this prayer request is not going out for two more weeks. The very next day, I got a text from a leader in Springfield. He, he was, at the time, the vice principal of Thurston High School. I got a text from him saying this. My wife and I have been praying about this for a long time. This week, we're going to become foster parents of three kids, and we need this stuff and your help in order to do it. The very prayer request, the one prayer request that we changed and we had a spirited conversation about, the very next day, before the prayer guide goes out, God is already answering that prayer. And so I told several pastors that story. We're getting a wink from God that we're on the right track, that we're actually hearing from him, right, in this prayer request. And so we get this wink from God as I get this text. I tell several pastors, Four weeks later, the body of Christ is now praying this prayer 24-7, that Christ followers would care for at-risk children, and then they would support the families who care for those at-risk children. Four weeks later, I get a call from an organization up in Portland. This organization is called Every Child. Every Child equals local churches working together to come alongside the foster care system to recruit more foster parents, to support foster parents, and to support those DHS workers. So I get this call from Every Child Portland. Hey, would one hope, would the network of local churches, the Jesus people in your area, band together to become the very first branch of Every Child? So that was the ask. So as we're praying this, I go to the other pastors. Pastor Steve was among them. We convened several pastors together. And I, they already knew the story about the text I received the very next day. And then I had this request from this organization. Some of them knew what every child in Portland was doing already. I said, gentlemen, pastors from several different churches, we're praying this prayer. We get this text we're praying this prayer, we get this ask, will Jesus followers be the first branch of every child? So I submitted it to the pastors. Should we do this together or not? And what do you think the answer was? It was a crystal clear yes, because together the church was praying. God was answering, and as God answered, we saw how God was moving, because we all were asking him together, and so we were able, with a hearty and confident yes, to say, let's join together to serve these at-risk children and to serve the families who are foster parents. And so it was quite a unanimous thing, and so every child here in Lane County was born, and it all came because we were praying together. There have been so many other answers to prayer. But one of the things that's so valuable in every one of these answers to prayer as, as 40 plus churches are praying together is this. Listen, it becomes our shared story. The answers to prayer, the God moving in our community, in the business sector, in the government sector, with our first responders, in healthcare, in sports, it becomes our shared story. God is answering 
our prayer that Jesus followers are calling out to him and praying in Jesus' name and God is answering and we see God living and active in our day, in our time and it's not just one church, it's those who are joining together to show the love of Christ. And so it's just been a wonderful, wonderful experience to share that testimony together. It's not just one of us. We are praying 24-7. So I invite you to take your place on the wall one day a month. Set aside 30 minutes. Set aside 60 minutes to join with the church up the street, to join with the church down the street that you know that your brothers and sisters throughout this community, that we together are calling on the name of the Lord and inviting him to intervene in our community, whether it be in business, whether it be in government, whether it be for families, whether it's right now to pray for our educational system. You are invited. What an opportunity we have. How good God is and the joy of the Lord that we get to experience together as he answers and we share the story together. Now, lastly, in closing, Here's what I want to do together. I want to lead us in praying from the prayer guide. So here's the prayer guide. Here's our, I'm not going to pray every single one of these prayers. Obviously, that's going to take a long time. But um, I just want to invite you in. It's just that simple. Just sign up for a time on Grace Community Fellowship's Day. Get a prayer guide. Now, you're not forced to only pray the prayer guide. One of the things that we always encourage every church on their day of prayer to include prayer requests for your church, for specific people or the leadership team. As we pray for the church here, uh, one of the sectors, we're always um, encouraging people to pray for their leadership teams, for their pastors. And learning how to pray for your pastor is just a great thing uh, that can happen with one church one day. So, I'm going to highlight a couple prayers and then I'm going to pray them, okay? So, as I just got passionate about here just a minute ago, praying for our education system. So we've got an education sector and we've got a family sector and obviously there's a lot of overlap right now because with education, our our teachers and our principals and other staff are working diligently. They're doing their best. We are meeting with these people. We interface with them. I know... Some of you are even listening to this right now. They're working hard. They're trying to make this very difficult season work in education. Well, then you've got families that are trying to make this difficult situation work. So moms and dads are trying to figure out online school. Students are having a hard time always being online, trying to learn. And so let's pray for education. And I'm just going to read these prayer requests. I'm going to pray them. So... Under education, the first prayer request is for students. And I'm just going to pray it out loud instead of reading it and praying it. Lord, I pray for students. I pray that every student would have hope. I pray that every student would have focus and the ability to learn at home in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for families, that each family would have grace and understanding to interact well together and to interact well with their schools, with the teachers, and with the principals. Lord, I pray for the teachers, that you would give the teachers peace and grace to balance their workload, to balance student needs, and that those teachers would have balance and health in their home life. And Lord, I pray for connections. Lord, there are vulnerable students who have yet, literally who have yet to connect with their school, 
and to connect with caring adults. Lord, we pray for those vulnerable students to be connected to other caring adults so that they could be cared for and protected. Lord, we lift up to you our educational system and we ask that you would intervene in Jesus' name. So we just prayed for our education, our educational system here in our community. Now, you don't have to stop there. You can, you can continue to ask God. Now, maybe you don't regularly or maybe you've never thought of praying for businesses in our community. But will you join me as I pray from the prayer guide for businesses? And I think we all can understand how important it is to pray for businesses at this time. So I'm just gonna pray again right from the prayer guide. Father in heaven, I pray for local business leaders that they would have a healthy work-life balance, that they would have personal health, that they would have healthy and strong family relationships. I pray for these business leaders, O oh God, to have perseverance. Give them endurance and strength that they don't have. Lord, give these business leaders wisdom. Lord, give these business leaders hope to navigate this season of time. And Lord, I pray that local businesses would be able to rebuild, that they would be able to rehire employees, and that they would become profitable again. And lastly, Lord, I pray that the local workplace would be a place of encouragement, that there would be good morale, and there would be healthy productivity. And Lord, lead this, lead our businesses, and lead these business leaders in this period of time to really value and see what's important. Lord, lead every business leader to stop and consider how great and good Jesus is. It's in your name that we pray, O oh Lord. I'm not gonna pray much more from the prayer guide, but I just do wanna mention a couple more things. Praying for healthcare. It is so important right now to be praying for our local healthcare providers, for doctors, for nurses, for administrators. They need our prayers. God wants to move. One of the things maybe you haven't prayed for are the arts. And we meet with local artists and we discern how to pray for the arts. Especially in this time that local artists would be expressing art that brings hope and that local artists somehow express art that actually leads people to follow Christ. There are many Christ-honoring artists in our community working to glorify him in the public sector. Again, just want to invite you to pray for our police and our, and our fire departments, to pray for their safety, to pray for their protection. There's very specific ways that these leaders from our police and fire departments give us to pray. Praying for dispatchers is something that's very important. One thing that's always on the prayer guide, uh, along with praying for safety, is this. Um, our first responders are always needing uh, to hire people. And so let's pray for noble charactered people to be hired by our police departments, our sheriff, and for our, our uh, fire and rescue. So as I close today, I just want to uh, rejoice with you that God is good. He's given us this place close to him in prayer that we can ask and he answers. He's given us as a community of churches here in the Central Lane County area a way to pray together, a way to pray together into 10 sectors of our community, and we're seeing him answer. Lastly, I want to close with this story. When we started One Church One Day, 
when we dedicated this effort. We had a community-wide worship service back in May of 2015. And this community-wide worship service actually happened at Grace Community Fellowship in the evening. That night, about 500 believers gathered there in the sanctuary from across the community. And we gathered that night, we worshiped together, we had pastors come forward, and um, every year we do two times, we we meet two different times for community-wide worship, once in November and once in May. And that particular May, when we met for community-wide worship, we were dedicating, we were one church one day, we were just starting one church one day. And we were dedicating that to the Lord. And as we prayed, and as we joined together in prayer, it was just a wonderful and strong evening of prayer and worship. When we went in to set up that day, it was hot. It was sunny. When we left that night, the wind was blowing and it was cold. And we could see the sky lighting up in the distance. Well, it started to thunder and lightning. We went out to eat and there was thunder and lightning. My wife and I came home and there was thunder and lightning. We went to bed that night and there was thunder and lightning. Uh, As my wife was dozing off, there was thunder and lightning and it woke her up and she hit me on the shoulder and she said, Steve, Operation Rolling Thunder. One church one day started several years ago It didn't start with us, by the way. It happens in several other communities literally around the world now. But there have been several documented stories when this one church, one day prayer effort is actually formally presented to several leaders in a community. There have been documented several stories where God has confirmed it by very unique and miraculous lightning and thunder. We had learned of this miraculous lightning and thunder confirmation a year before we started One Church One Day because we met with the person who started One Church One Day, Tim Taylor, and he told us of these very unique times where there was thunder and lightning. Well, that night, not only was there thunder and lightning um, right after service and at the restaurant and when we went home, but the thunder and lightning continued through the entire evening. So much so that I called the National Weather Service that next morning and found out that there was 225 lightning strikes in Lane County. And I said, is that unusual? And do you keep stats on that? They said, no, we don't keep stats. But they said it was highly unusual. And I can tell you for sure in my 26 years of living in this community, there has never been a lightning and thunderstorm as there was that night. You see, the original name for one church one day came from Psalm 18, and it's called Operation Rolling Thunder. That very night, when all those leaders dedicated one church one day to the Lord, literally, God responded with thunder and lightning right out of Psalm 18. That's where Operation Rolling Thunder got its name, and God is responding with thunder and lightning to David's prayer. And so here we are, five and a half years later. Not only did God respond with thunder and lightning that night, but he's responded with over 40 pages of answers to prayer. And we are just 
at the beginning of calling on his name together for his glory, for our good, so that all may see who Jesus really is and follow him with us. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.